As we go into our meditation for today, our Bible study for today, I want to invite you to close your eyes. Let us pray together and let's seek the blessing of the Lord. Father, thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for a beautiful Sabbath. Today we want to open your word and we want to ask you to speak to us as we study this topic of the 1,000 years of peace. Give us that peace. Give us the presence of the Holy Spirit and the direction that you promised to give us. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today we are talking about a hundred, a thousand years of peace. And if you remember, at church we have been going over this series of the Amazing Facts um, Bible Studies. Now if you are not familiar with Amazing Facts, and if you don't even remember maybe the things that we were talking about, you can go to our website, dubaiadventist.org forward slash Amazing Facts, and you can go into an online Bible school. You can do the lessons, and if you want to just listen to an explanation of the previous lessons, because today is lesson number 16, we have already done 11 of them, you can go to Anchor FM forward slash SDA dash church and you can hear all the previous 11 presentations. So I want to point you to those two places filled of Bible resources and things for you to grow in your spiritual life. So today as we talk about the thousand years of peace, I want to invite you to have your Bible ready with you. I'm going to be sharing the text with you on the screen, but it's also going to be great if you can have your Bible with you so that you can follow along, make marks, make comments, uh, maybe put a question mark and be able to send me later <clears throat> a message on the different platforms so we can give an answer maybe on another day. <clears throat> so the first question that we have for today is what event begins this 1,000-year period. Now, before we even start, let me tell you, the millennium, the millennium, that word does not appear in the Bible, but millennium means 1,000 years. And uh, that phrase, 1,000 years, is only used in the book of Revelation. So if in your church or in your denomination, they are trying to teach you about the 1,000 years and they are going all over the place, and they are not dealing with Revelation chapter 20. <laughs> that's not a good idea, and that's not a good news, because the only place in the Bible that talks about the thousand years of peace is Revelation chapter 20, the only. So, that should also give you a little uh, warning sign that we need to be extra careful, because this is a teaching that is presented in the Bible only here. So the conclusions that we make somehow need to be a bit tentative and a bit careful because it is something that we don't have a lot of information about. So what we will try to do is to go over chapter 20, to go a little bit over chapter 21, and try to put things in order. Remember also that the book of Revelation many times work repeating things, and every time that it repeats things adds more information, and it repeats adding information. And we can see that also in chapter 20. So if you read it from beginning to end, it can be a bit confusing. 
because the thing is that the story is actually starting again, but then it gives you more details. That is one of the features of apocalyptic literature. So we just have to read it like that. So let's go there. Ch uh, question number one, what event begins this 100-year period? And the answer is given in Revelation chapter 4, chapter 20 and verse 4. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So at the end of verse 4, you see the phrase there, they came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So this is talking about that resurrection when Jesus comes. As if you are reading in the context, you will notice that it is that it's talking about. So when Jesus comes, and uh, like the Bible says, with the angels, with the trumpet call of God, and uh, Paul says the dead in Christ will rise first, when Jesus comes, that is the beginning of this 1,000 years of peace. Now, who, sorry, what is this resurrection called and who will be raised in it? What is it called and who will be raised in it? The answer again is in the Bible, Revelation chapter 20, verses 5 and 6, the next two verses after the one we just read, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. These are the, the dead who did not resurrect the first time. The first time are the people who believe in God. So the righteous are resurrected. The unrighteous, those who did not believe in God, they stay dead for those thousand years. And then this is the first resurrection, the resurrection of the righteous. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So who are involved in this first resurrection? The people who believed in God, the people who accepted Jesus, the people who accepted the promise of God to give eternal life when Jesus comes. They come back to life, and according to the Bible, they go with Christ and they reign for 1,000 years. But, but there is another group of people and they are not resurrected. So that's what the next question is about. Is there a second resurrection? Because we just read about a first resurrection. So is there a second resurrection? Who will be raised in it? Book of Revelation chapter 20 and verse 5, it says, The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. The rest of the dead did not come to life. Now, the second uh, part there, this is the first resurrection. He was talking about the previous one. That's why this phrase is on brackets. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So if you read your Bible carefully, the Bible talks about two resurrections. The first resurrection happens at the beginning of the thousand years when Jesus comes God's people go with him, and then those who rejected Christ, they stay dead, and at the end of the thousand years, then they are raised up for their judgment. So there are two resurrections. Actually, the Bible also talks about three comings of Jesus. Jesus came the first time when he came as a baby, 
He comes a second time when the first resurrection happens. And then he comes a third time when the second resurrection happens. So many times we don't hear about these things because, well, people are not reading their Bibles very carefully. But that is uh, clearly and squarely taught in the Bible. Now, question number four. What other momentous events take place when the thousand years begin? What is happening at that time? Let's read together 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 17. This is uh, Paul talking about the first coming of Christ. For the Lord himself, sorry, the second coming of Christ. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. This is what we read in chapter four, in verse 4 of chapter 20 in Revelation, what is called the first resurrection. The dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So this is what the Bible calls the first resurrection. When does it happen? When Jesus comes. How does the Lord comes? He comes visibly because he comes with lots of angels. Another text in the Bible says that he is like lighting that goes from one end of the sky to the other, that every eye will see him. His coming is audible because he comes with the trumpet call of God. His coming is earth shattering because the, the epistle of Peter says that the elements melt, that everything is destroyed. So some Christians believe that when Jesus comes, it's going to be a secret thing. Nobody will know. Like we are here talking and Esther is on that computer. I'm on this computer. And suddenly, poof, headphones are alone on the, on the, tape, on the, on the chair. There is nobody there. Where did Esther go? Oh, she was raptured. My friend, even though millions of Christians believe that, that is not a biblical teaching. The Bible says that when Jesus comes... Every eye will see him and the elements will melt. The trumpet call of God will be heard. So there is no way that when Jesus comes, people will not notice. That uh, idea of the rapture is coming from a parable that Jesus spoke that he said, two women will be on the mill and one will be taken, the other one will be left. But that is a parable. It's a figure of speech. You are not supposed to make out a doctrine out of a figure of speech. So let's continue moving forward. Question number five. What happens to the unsaved, the living and the dead at Jesus' second coming? So how about that? We know, we know now that the living go with Jesus. The dead who are in Christ, they are resurrected and they go with Jesus. But how about those who rejected Jesus, who did not believe in Jesus? What does the Bible say? 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So the Bible says that when Jesus comes, those who don't believe in him and they are dead, nothing happens to them. 
We already read in Revelation that they will not come to life again until the thousand years are past. But those who are alive and they did not believe in Jesus, if you read also in the book of Revelation, it says that when they see the Lamb coming in the clouds of heaven, they will see, they will call for the rocks to fall on them and to hide them from the glory and the wrath of the Lamb. Because yes, there will come the time when the Lamb will get angry with sin, with unrighteousness, and he will say, enough. It is time to put a stop to this thing. So Jesus comes, all, the, all those who believed in him, whether they are alive, they are taken. If they are dead, they are resurrected. And those who did not believe in him, if they are dead, they stay dead. If they were alive, they perish. The Bible says God will pay back trouble to those who are troubling you at the moment. Now, question number six. Many believe the unsaved will have an opportunity to repent during the 1,000 years. What does the Bible say about this? Well, let's look for an answer in Revelation 22, verses 11 and 12. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. Now, please notice, Jesus is saying, look, I am coming soon. And when I come, I'm going to give to each person according to their reward. And the behavior of people will not change. The Bible says the one who is righteous, he will continue to be righteous. The one who is holy, he will continue to be holy. The one who is sinful, he will continue to be sinful. So even if, which is not, even if, people were given another chance to repent during those 1,000 years. They would not. And in fact, Jesus is saying, when I come, I'm coming soon, and when I come, I will give to each one his reward. The one who believed, he will go with Christ. The one who will not believe, he will perish. So in short, is there another chance to repent during those 1,000 years? No. According to the Bible, no. Maybe you heard that there was a chance. Well, yeah, many people have many opinions, but if you want to believe and you want to accept what the Bible says, the answer is no. The time to believe is now. And that is why Paul says, today, if you listen to his voice, do not harden your hearts. Because we only have today. We don't have tomorrow. We don't have a thousand years. We don't have a hundred years. We don't have one year. The only thing that we have for sure is now. So if God is speaking to your heart today, you need to respond to him today. You cannot say, oh, maybe in a month, maybe when I have a better job, maybe when my family situation changes, maybe when my children are older, I can afford to believe in God and to follow God and to obey God. You do not have that. You may not have tomorrow. You may not have five years, ten years. You may not have that time when your children are grown. So if God is calling you today, you need to act today. You need to accept Christ today, and you need to follow Christ today. Our seventh question for today says, the Bible says that Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit during these 1,000 years. What is this pit? Let's read in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 3. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in its hand a great chain. 
He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. Now, the first thing that you need to notice is this is highly symbolic language. He's talking about a dragon, but that is not the real name of Satan. He is called Satan or the adversary, but it's, here it's using the symbolic name of a dragon. And it's talking about a chain and an angel putting him in an abyss. So obviously this is symbolic language. Now, we can get clues from the Bible what this symbolic language means. The angel, well, the angel is an angel. The dragon is Satan. The abyss is some sort of hopeless uh, situation. Why? Because that very same word that is used here for abyss is the very same word that is used in the Greek version of the Old Testament in the, in the story of creation when it says that the, word, the, the earth was dark and void, formless and void. The word that is used is this same word. So the picture that Revelation is giving you is that the earth is, again, out of shape, uh, like creation has been undone because Jesus came, everything melted, everything was destroyed, creation is undone, and so everybody is either with God in heaven or dead on earth, so Satan is bound. He has nothing to do. He has no one he can tempt. Question number eight, what is this chain that binds Satan? Why is he bound? This follows very closely on the previous question that we were talking about, Revelation 23. We already read this one. He threw him into the abyss, locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore. And this is the key for us, to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free a short time. So we have already seen that when Jesus comes, those who rejected Christ, those who follow Satan, they died, and they only resurrect after the thousand years. So that is why during the thousand years, Satan is bound. He cannot do nothing. He cannot tempt anyone. He cannot create problems for anyone because all the people who used to follow him are dead. So for the thousand years, Satan is bound not by a physical chain. You cannot buy an, a spiritual being with physical things. He is bound by the circumstances. Everybody that used to follow him is dead. So after the thousand years, when they come back to life, then that's when he is loosed or unbound because now he can tempt again. He can deceive people again. Question number nine. Revelation 24 says there will be a judgment in heaven during the 1,000 years. What for? Who will participate? We seek for an answer in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? So according to Paul, there will come a time when we, the believers of God, the people of God, we will judge 
Now, this is not when Jesus comes, and this is not before Jesus comes, because before he comes, we are being judged. It is our life that is on judgment, whether we followed God or not. But then that's what Revelation chapter 20 is talking about. When those thrones are in heaven and when God's people are given the judgment, it is this judgment it is talking about. Because you see, God is a God of justice, and all through the Bible, we can see that. Many people say, if God wanted to forgive the sins, he would just forgive, and that's it. No, because God is just. The wages of sin, the consequence of sin is death. So God cannot just say, okay, this is the rule, but, you know, forget the rules. What to do? I can do whatever I want. Hey, I'm the pimp, the universal pimp. No, God is a God of order. God is a God of justice. So the law of God requires that sin leads to death. So if God wants to forgive people, that is great and that is excellent. Nevertheless, the law is the law. And the law needs to be fulfilled. And that is why Jesus Christ came. And that is why he paid for our sins. And so when God is now forgiving us, he doesn't do that breaking the rules. He does that by abiding by the rules that control his old universe and bring peace to the universe. And uh, maybe when we get to heaven, you're going to wonder, man, what happened with Pastor Andy? He used to preach long, but it wasn't that bad. What happened to him? Well, you will have a chance to go to the books. And maybe, oh, he's over there. I hope I'm not lost. He's over there, just he, he's fine. But maybe, God forbid, you will look at the books and you will say, oh boy, look at what he's doing. And look at what his life was like. So that's why he's not here. So that is the reason for that judgment after the thousand years. Those who are in heaven are saved. Those who are dead, they are lost. Nonetheless, there are many questions. People have many questions. People of this planet are people from other planets that the Lord has created. They have questions. Why is this person here and why is that person not here? That is what will be resolved during that judgment. Question number 10. At the close of the 1,000 years, the holy city, New Jerusalem, will come down from heaven to this earth. Who will come with it? Where will it settle? The answer is in the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Actually, chapter 20 of Revelation doesn't tell us when the city falls. It says that the people eventually resurrect, the evil people eventually resurrect, and they want to attack the city. It names the city, but it doesn't tell you when the city comes. To know when the city comes uh, and to see the description of the city coming, you need to go to chapter 21 and verse 2. So it says that this city is having God's people in them. It's prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That is language that is used for the people of God in other parts of Revelation. And it says that the city is called the New Jerusalem. And also in the prophets of the Old Testament, people were promised that the kingdom of God, the, when Jesus come, when Jesus would return, he would put his feet on Jerusalem. So it's quite a fitting name. That's going to be the literal place, the, the physical place, or where was that place before it was destroyed, that the city will come down to again. 
Question number 11. Who, sorry, what will happen to the wicked dead at this time? And how will this affect Satan? Revelation chapter 20 and verse 7. When the thousand years are open, Satan will be released from his prison. We already read in verse, was it 5? That says that after the thousand years are finished, then the dead will live again. The, the, the wicked dead will live again. So when the thousand years are finished, this is the second resurrection. The first resurrection was for the godly people. Then the second resurrection after the thousand years. And now Satan again has people to deceive. He again has people to tempt and to trap. Let's continue moving forward. Question number 12. What will Satan do then? Well, if you were thinking that people would change after the thousand years, this is the confirmation that you need. No, they will not. Because even after a thousand years, Satan is the same. His angels are the same. And the people who were following him before, they are still the same. Nobody has repented. And that is why the Bible will not give um, a chance. God will not give a chance for people to repent. The chance to repent is before Jesus comes. The chance to repent is now. Have a look at what the book of Revelation chapter 20 verse 8 says. And Satan will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them from battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. So nothing has changed. Satan is still a rebel, and people who rejected God still want to fight against God, and they want to follow Satan. There is no repentance during the thousand years or after the thousand years. Question number 13. What will interrupt Satan's plan to capture or destroy the city? So God's people are inside the city they have been reigning with Christ for a thousand years, and now they come back to earth. What happens next? Revelation chapter 20, verses 9 to 10 says, They marched across the breadth of the earth, Satan and his armies, across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So when Satan and those who follow him want to mount that final attack into God and his city, having the people of God, he will be completely destroyed. Remember that in one of the previous messages, we read that this, we studied that this phrase forever and ever in the Bible, it is used depending on the subject. When forever and ever Ionius is used for God, it truly means forever. But when it is used for a human, it means as long as he lives. Remember the example of the servant who was going to be a slave for his master forever when he would put the plank on the earlobe and, okay, now you're going to be my servant forever. Obviously, it doesn't mean forever. It means as long as he is alive. Nonetheless, it's the same word. It's the same phrase. So it says they are tormented forever and ever. For as long as their lives permit, they will suffer, and then there is nothing else. If you have any more questions, you can go to the previous lesson. Lesson number 11 was talking about that specifically. 
Let's go to question number 14. When the wicked are burned up and the fire goes out, what glorious, thrilling event will take place next? Chapter 21, verses 3 to 5 of Revelation. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God says that the time will come when he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. This is another proof that hell is not burning forever. Because if you have a loved one who was lost and he is suffering because God is roasting him over and over and over forever, will you have peace? Will you be happy? But the Bible says that the wicked sin and sinners Everything will be destroyed. It will be consumed. And after that is gone, then God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We will be able to accept, well, everything is done. Everything is finished. Those who accepted the salvation that God gave, they have been saved. Those who rejected, well, they have been punished and they are no more. So it's a new page. It's a new moment. And uh, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more crying, no more mourning, no more sickness, no more death, because all those things will be part of history. Now, can we know how soon all these momentous events will take place? We have also studied, but um, now I will only read one of the last verses in chapter 24 of the book of Matthew, verses 32 and 33. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. So we have already talked about the signs of the coming of Christ. If you want to refresh those, go back to the past lessons and read or listen or study by yourself just go to Matthew chapter 24 and you will see that it reads pretty much like the news everything that is happening in our world today especially with plagues and pestilences that's what Jesus said was going to happen before he would come and when he comes that's the beginning of the thousand years of peace that's the beginning of that moment of reigning with Christ so my last question for you today is Jesus, who loves you very much, has prepared a place for you in his fantastic eternal kingdom. Are you making plans to live in that glorious home, custom-built for you by Jesus himself? There is nothing else that the Lord could do for you. Salvation has been given freely for you. Jesus Christ came, he lived, he taught, he died, he resurrected, he went to the heavens. He is soon to come back. And he said, do not be troubled. I am going to come back. And when I come, I will take you to be with me. And you will be in my father's house. And there are lots of rooms in that place. So what do you have to do? You need to believe. 
you need to accept that God loves you, that through Jesus he made a way for you to live eternally with him. But you must also know that not everybody will be saved. Not everybody will go with Jesus because not everybody will trust in Jesus. And he said, he who is not with me, he is against me. So today you need to make a choice. You cannot wait for tomorrow because you are not guaranteed tomorrow. Today you need to make a choice. Will you believe in Jesus? Will you accept Jesus? If that is your desire and your decision, please join me in prayer. Let us talk to God. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your word today. We want to thank you for everything that you have done to bring this world to this momentous time that we are living in today. Soon the Lord Jesus will come. And soon all the promises of the Bible will be completely fulfilled. So many things have already happened. So many things that were prophesied in the scripture have already happened. And the last ones that are prophesied, we believe they will also happen in the same way that the previous ones happened. And so, Lord, today, the person that is on the other side of this screen is making a decision. And I pray, Lord, that as your Holy Spirit works in their hearts, they will make the decision to believe in you and to follow you. If they are making that decision right now, Lord, I pray that you will bless them with your presence, that you will put your hand of blessing upon them, and they will literally feel your presence. They will feel that you are with them, that you are hearing the prayer of their heart, and you are writing their names in the book of life. Thank you, God, for this opportunity that you give us today. We pray and we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.